This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Good afternoon, family and friends, and thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. And we are here this afternoon really going to discuss a very rather uh, touching uh, subject and not something that we always want to chat about but you know this is a program where we give hope wisdom and guidance according to when real life happens and we discuss relevant and often unspoken issues and that's one of those issues this afternoon and we are so blessed to have um, Henry James Fisher here this afternoon and he's going to be telling and sharing with us what he has done in these last couple of years with um, you know He's been in the film industry so, so many years, and he is going to give and share with us exactly what he has been doing for with uh, human tra- trafficking. And Henry has produced and directed a film that offers a dramatic view of one of South Africa's lesser-spoken social pestilences. Set in the virus of Cape Town, Phoenix Risen. Is that not an incredible topic that we are going to discuss? And it tells us of a local story about human trafficking and its devastating consequences. And Henry describes it as a story that is close to his heart and is also inspired by his personal spiritual journey. It is extended as dramatic entertainment that simultaneously foregrounds serious social messaging. So welcome. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon, Henry. And we are so blessed to have you in the studio with us. Thank you so much for having me on your show, Renette. Wonderful. So we're going to go out with a song quickly, Brit Nicole, Who You Say You Are, and enjoy. We will be with you straight after this. Good afternoon, family and friends, and thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. And on my program called Rise, I'm Renette Marburg, and we have got a very wonderful, interesting guest in our studio today, film producer of Phoenix Risen, and he is going to be sharing with us his life journey until this far. He's been many, many years in the uh, in the media minist- uh, ministry, I call it ministry as well, because it really is a ministry that you have to be called for um, to be able to persevere. Uh, it's a really challenging industry as well to stay in. So, Henry, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. And we know that your heart's desires are to really expose what is happening as far as human trafficking is concerned. So just give us a little bit of your background, where you've been, how did you get into this media, and what people to be also feeling that there is a future in uh, South Africa for the media industry as well. So Henry, just share with us until this far. Well, my journey has been... It doesn't have a start or a beginning. I feel like it's constantly been in this direction. As a child, I grew up, uh, I had some really good uh, adult uh, influences. You know, the, the, the absent father is the beginning of a lot of the sadness that we're dealing with right now. Uh, absent fathers uh, lead or leave the door open for others to influence our youth, uh, give us uh, short-term pleasure, short-term fixes for for life skills. 
I was blessed with parents who loved reading. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the first, that was my first experience in entertaining and creating, having to picture what I was reading. And slowly but surely, the visuals were what drew me in. The words shaped my eyes closed and I was able to formulate the pictures. Mm. A rushing wind, you can't see the wind, but you can imagine it, on leaves and trees. And so, slowly but surely, I, my mind started becoming that of a picture maker. I had some interesting books as a youngster. One of the big books, I didn't know it was big at the time, was a book written in 1678 by a John Bunyan called... I remember. You do? Yes, it was in our era. It was a really good book to read. Really, really good. Yes, especially visually. It had the most incredible descriptions uh, in, in the book. Correct. And also really good parallels with what we face in life. Yes. Uh, insecurities uh, and the need to excel and the easy options that we are presented with, how uh, we can get to our dreams, not always the righteous way, how, e- how the soft options are easiest and how difficult it is yes. to achieve things in the correct way. And the correct way, when I say correct way, I mean the way that makes you able to sleep at night. The, way the right way and the righteous way. I believe so, yes. And that takes a lot in, with a society today to stay on the straight and narrow. And, you know, we find that uh, we get so easily distracted, so much it's so normalized, um, especially on media. And we get told what is, you know, what's not right, but it gets right because it's legal. And, um, you know, so your journey as far as, uh, you know, experiencing as a, as a young man, uh, you know, what were the challenges that you actually experienced um, in your era? You know, us in our era, we aren't exposed to what our, our young people are exposed to. So for media, how did that change for you um, over the years? Well, I grew up in Manenburg. Uh, I was born in Woodstock, and at the age of two, we moved to Mannenberg. And as a two-year-old kid, uh, almost reinterpreting what the adults were going through, that feeling of uh, lesser human, physically being moved a little further away from the mountain, the psychological impact on the parents, the adults of that time, Mm -hmm. that was transferred to the youth, through frustration, through anger, through bitterness, the sadness of it all. And as a two-year-old child, interpreting that was, was there were no words. It was a crude feeling of sadness, despair, very gray uh, world. Yes. And so we found comfort in books. We found entertainment. We found hope in the bigger story. Also in that era... Uh, many truths were hidden and uh, information wasn't freely exchanged, hidden in fact. So in all of this, I, with everybody else, tried to make sense out of where the world was, where were we in this world, and even though it was 1967, 
It was a South African version of 1967. The world was moving at uh, other paces all over. And yes, we and we were, were stuck. A little we bit were stuck, stuck a little bit. That's right. Yeah, and, and, and so I grew up in this environment where the rule was that the toughest would survive, you know, um, that sometimes you had to step outside of your comfort zone. Sometimes you had to be assertive, almost bullying your way to the top. And so you would compromise what felt right for a result that everyone said was necessary. You needed the car, you needed the flash, you needed all of these. And that's how our progress was judged, how our success was judged. Yes, yes. yes. And that makes so much sense with the growth of gangsterism and drug uh, you know, industry just growing in insurmountably in that time where that was the only way more or less to get money and to and again it was a gray area and you know what you said about the two being two years old you know with us in psychology um you know we between naught and seven years old from birth even 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 in the mommy's womb um that a child can all what is transferred to the child from the parents, knowingly or unknowingly, you know, parent, there's no perfect recipe for parenting. And, you know, but at the end of the day, the child doesn't know how to navigate what they, he sees. They, the filter is like, absorbs everything like a big sponge. So we, I can understand the sadness that you experienced, but how, and then again, you found ways to find joy in, in the day and get navigated and give us a, just an, a scenario of um, you know the kind of topic that we're going to cover now today about human trafficking and the different format forms of human trafficking what we what did you people see in that time we we didn't I know for a fact we were didn't know anything about it in our in you know I think you and I are more or less the same age um, we weren't exposed to that. And, I mean, what did you think of life at that time? Well, life at that time, I didn't really see it either. Mm. I could see the effects of, of people compromising to earn a living. I could mm. see how that played on their minds, how it affected their hearts, and how their relationships were with others. It was easy to tell someone apart, someone who had been victimized into doing what they did to earn money. Um, one, of course, I became aware. Uh, I think uh, uh, Pastor Edel, now I do, yes. he uh, once said something in, in, in one of his shows, and I thought that's exactly what it is. He said, prostitution, human trafficking, is not a pretty, human, uh, pretty woman's story. You know, the Julia Roberts, yes, Richard Gere. Yes, yes, And this is what her media was, um, portraying, was it. portraying it as. Something that someone could willingly choose to step in and step out of. But we know that it's not true. There's so many factors why the ladies go that route. Correct. I mean, one of the factors is a very brutal one. And um, when I was working with uh, Pastor Edel Naidu on his show, I was the sound engineer. So that meant that I would lapel the guests and have privy to the most quiet whisperings, mutterings, really, and their prayers. Mm -hmm. So we would lapel these women, and one of the most humbling things, and I truly, truly, was the start 
of what can I do, dear Lord, was the prayers that these women muttered under their breath. Every single time we had someone on, they would pray. This is one of the, uh, the victims, one of the survivors of human trafficking. They would mutter an almost silent prayer that the Spirit of God enter them and be their voice, use the air in their lungs to tell their story. And not for the sake of just telling the story, but for the sharing and hopefully finding the correct ears. To say that there is hope out there. There's more than hope. There is a healing hand. There is all of what we need for salvation. Mm. God has There is another way out. There is. And there is if you make the right choices. But, you know, I hear what you're saying, and it's so touching. And it's, you know, I myself have worked in this field for a very long time, currently busy with a case right now. Mm -hmm. um, but at the end of the day, what is society's take on that? You know, where is the support and the acceptance from somebody coming off the street in back into society. That is it another is, story. It is such a... I have uh, worked with a few or... <coughs> um, I'm thinking of uh, MeCat, Stop yes. Human Trafficking, and, of course, A21 campaign. That's correct. We need... Obviously, we need much more. Much more. And we've got more to fly too. as well with Salome. Correct, correct. Yes, yes. yes. And so there are these programs that are shaped into not only rescuing but nurturing and then growing back all of what has been lost or what has been tainted in this very sad alternative to a profession. Mm. For me the biggest challenge is I'm a man. How could I possibly identify with the trauma and all of that real, very real physical, psychological abuse, I can only view it as an outsider to something that is mainly, uh, your victim is mainly female. Yes. But what I could identify with was their anguish, their brokenness, and then healing. I felt outside of the circle because as a man, I can't physically go and approach and be part of that process of healing. But then something else came to mind. You know, there are three, we're all sinners. The three sinners in human trafficking is not the prostitute. It is not the trafficker alone. It is also the person taking advantage the of the demand. So I almost, the slogan is, uh, for me, is um, no demand. No supply. There's exactly. no need. Exactly. So there is a third victim. Mm. A victim who I really, really just want to shake and shake and shake until, you know, sense prevails. But yes. what is it in generally men that drives them there? That drives them to pay for something the, the most sacred, the most beautiful, the most. to distort 
brokenness that it's a chain of brokenness that doesn't perpetuates from the user to the uh, middleman that actually takes the opportunity until the real victim at the end of the day so we're going to uh, just go play out with uh, Brian Torwalt and Katie Torwalt um, are nothing holding me back so enjoy this with us and we'll be shortly back with Henry, thank you so much for sharing your touching, um, uh, you know, your heart on, on this topic. It's really, really beautiful to hear from another, from a man to a woman about what actually is transpiring out there. So we're going to listen to Brian Torwalt, Nothing Holding Me Back. We'll be back with you straight after this. Good afternoon, family and friends, and thank you so much for staying with us. And please go on our, what's, uh, on our WhatsApp line. We have um, our WhatsApp line is 081-729-1657. Our Telegram number is the same, 081-729-1657. And our SMS line is 37988. And we are currently now on Facebook. So please go and look at our activities. You can see who our guests are. You can see who we are and uh, get to know us a little bit better. And please interact. Uh, we really are um, uh, getting really out there and we're going to so many things are happening at the radio station. So please keep, uh, keep connection with us. We have got awesome guests, awesome uh, presenters, and then you see who you're listening to. Um, we also have a counseling department. It's 021-9177-000, option 1. And I really want to encourage you to contact us and see how we can direct you and how we can possibly pray for you. But please use us. We are there to help you. Um, this afternoon, I've really got a very ta- oh, a wonderful guest in the studio, film producer Henry James uh, Fisher. And he has... Uh, produced a beautiful movie called Phoenix River, but a very, very touching, painful journey of exposing human trafficking in South Africa. And we really want to encourage those that have got an opportunity, but he will share at the end of the program where you can go and watch and where you can go and view this movie because and also download it. Hey, there's an option to download it. So, Henry, you know, I know that this movie came with a cost and a quest, as we were sharing earlier on, of your painful journey, but such a quest to actually fulfill it. You know, you did a lot of the... Uh, producing, um, but this is what happens when you've been called to do something. And uh, so I just want you to share your quest, you know, of what it cost you financially, emotionally, um, on to actually fulfill this task that the Lord gave you. Uh, thank you. Yes, I love the word quest because in the end, it was a journey. I uh, envisioned the making of the movie as a mountain and so my prayer to God was 
that he keep his graceful hand on me, that he guide me. And then I prayed to my Savior Jesus Christ to walk ahead on, of me on this path and roll away the boulders that were irrelevant and leave the boulders as big as some of them proved to be yes. for me to negotiate always with the intention and the realization that this was going to be a very humbling journey. Yes, that yes. The only way was on knees, on knees and hands upheld to God for direction. So in many ways, I planned and plotted and strategized, but all of this meant nothing because every challenge that came my way, the only true answer came through submitting once more to God's plan. Yes. Um, this mountain as such uh, was... What the, did that look like? Well, it defined itself as I went along. So the first thing was, what, how, and this was the prayer, how could I contribute? How could I make people aware of this sadness, this horror, this nightmare that these people were living every day of their life? And it came to me, I suppose, uh, I'm an arty person. I'm going to say that right yes, now. Yes. I would doodle at any given point. Um, so when I thought, what about a movie? The, it was already in my mind. The, word, the, the name Phoenix Risen had somehow been placed there already. It was not a big step for me to use all of my thoughts and my interpretation and all of the messages and just the listening to the journeys of all of these um, survivors mm. for me to get the base of a story. But once again, as a man, you can't really tell that story. So I had to create a secondary lead. Okay. And this was a detective struggling with the frustrations of trying to bring this uh, human trafficking to an end in Cape Town. His entire career had been based on trying to uh, solve uh, cases. And you know, these pimps as such, they throw millions of rand yes, at the courts and yes. walk away laughing. The, mm. wom the women, the victims, are terrified and terrorized into silence. Yes. And of course, the instigator is never ever held responsible. This is uh, the one who seeks out these women. Yes, the perpetrator so, and the... The one that demands it. Correct. So how do I make a movie out of air? I have sewing skills. So some of the outfits, the heroine outfit I sewed mm -hmm. uh, myself, designed. Uh, the film itself uh, was going to be based in Cape Town. And so I reached out to actors. But one actor, I was finally able to get one actor to act. And another incredible friend of mine, an actor, who wrote some of the music for the movie. I searched high and low, and this is how God grew me. The most terrifying thing is, is for me to <coughs> be on a show like this, to public speak, to be in front. I love behind camera. I work. know. We've so, known you for years behind the camera. <laughs> and yeah, I was slowly being nudged into because I couldn't find that character. I had to play the character myself. 
Oh my goodness! I, you know, it's a matter of uh, you. you Being it, stretched. You said it. Now you have to do it, and that's exactly mm. what it was—the stretching yes. uh, against my will. But I knew that I'd surrendered to God to use me, and. I was excited about being used, but terrified of being... At the same time. It's very daunting. Yes. My brother was one of the cameramen. And I remember in the scene that I was in, he said to me, and he stopped that. And I said, what? And he said, every time I turn the camera on you, you start acting and then you act right off the set. Uh, Or you turn around from Skamgeit. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) But um, there were, uh, I wouldn't call them sacrifices. The desire in me was so great. At some stage, you were, ta- you were prepared to take what comes Whatever with it. needed to be done. So three and a half years into production, I did the math and I realized that I did not have enough finances to finish this movie if I stayed in my flat. So I terminated the lease, loaded my combi, and then resigned myself to, I'm going to be living in this vehicle, which I did for a bit. But God... And it took again. I had a whole team behind me without me knowing. I just had to take the steps one at a time and he would be ahead of me. And so an incredible friend of mine offered her space for a period. I lived in a tent. Yes. And uh, I edited in a tent. And then when the rains became too much, several friends offered me their couch. And I must tell you, I'm not the tallest guy, but every single couch seemed to be a few centimeters <laughs> too short. It was just too impossible to stretch oh, out on. But uh, <laughs> it was about stretching. It was about surrendering to yes, his plan. fully surrendered to be used. None of what I wrote and envisioned the movie to as be like. ended up. Uh, yes, nothing. It was completely re- rewritten as I progressed. Mm-hmm. I'd have an actor play a role and I'd write the script for him. And he would pull out, I'd find another individual, and I had to learn that person's character so that, because these weren't actors. So I had to find what is natural in that person, complement that by writing a new script for them. Yes. And um, the challenges were great. I can imagine. I can imagine. But you know, it is such the dedication and the commitment brought you to this place now where you've actually got a completed production and I I must say I can only say I'm very proud of you because (laughs) nobody would actually pull through especially we know we like to be comfortable and in our comfort zone and have all our ducks in a row to complete something but are we prepared family and friends out there are we prepared to go that extra mile when God has said I'm taking you on another journey of real fully trusting and believing in and that is why I really want to encourage you. We're going to, uh, yo, t- this time just went so quickly and it is so power packed. So please stay with us and we can you know, hear a little bit more about the movie, uh, maybe uh, discuss a scene of it, and then we will, um, you know, just give you an idea of how you can watch it and I really feel that we we need to get the scales of our eyes out there and really see what is the truth behind things that we aren't always exposed to but we see it on TV we hear it but it's actually happening right here with us 
under our own noses. So it's a very touching topic. And uh, so I just want us to listen to the, our lovely next song. I love Don Moon. And it says, Still, be still, my soul. So enjoy this, and we'll be back with Henry James Fisher straight after this. Radio Cape Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. with Renette Myberg. Finding God's truth for the way forward, together. And good afternoon, and thank you so much for being with us this afternoon. Please go and join us on Facebook. And we have got a wonderful, oh, I'm so, so in. So grateful that we have uh, Henry James Fisher is a film producer of River Phoenix. Of River um, Phoenix, Phoenix Risen. Phoenix Risen. Um, it's all about human trafficking, um, the real deal that's actually happening in South Africa, and we have no clue. So he's going to share a little bit about the movie because I think it's uh, you know the scenes, and he's going to tell us how we can access it um, the movie I think it's something that we need to open our eyes and get the scales of our uh, and start seeing what really is happening in the world Um, I also just want us to be reminded of our prayers for Israel and we know that we need to really uh, you know pray for our brothers and sisters um, of both sides that are really struggling with, um, you know, their fears and their struggles um, in Israel. And we just pray for the peace of Israel and that the Lord will just protect the vulnerable, the innocent, the children, the women. And we just ask the Lord, yes, Lord, just do it again. You have done this before. You've looked after Israel all these years. So I just want us just to um, really just keep our eyes focused on Abba Father and ask him how to pray and uh, not live in fear, but with faith that he has Israel in his perfect hands and he, they are his chosen nation. So Lord, we just thank you. We just thank you that we put your protective and a caring la- hand over the land and we know that we are living in the times that are now nearing the fact that you are the one that is going to win battles for us. So Henry, thank you so much and this is another battle that we just listened to now where be still and know who I am. So that is where we can find our healing and this is a topic that really needs a lot. It's a battle of its own um, in the perverse <coughs> excuse me, wicked world that we live in. So, Henry, just give us a little bit of a scene of your movie. How do we access it? How can we go and watch it? I know that you're having a, a, a launch date. Uh, so just give us a little bit of what you've, what you've been doing. Well, <clears throat> Phoenix Risen is a collective effort. Every single individual that you'll see in the movie has brought their own energy I wrote the script, I wrote the dialogue, and it just didn't work on non-actors, shall I say? Yes. I had people, my mum's in the movie, my friends are in, my sister, my brothers, strangers. But doesn't that make it real? They, everybody took their piece and made it something really incredible that I could not have orchestrated some of the... Acting is so, I remember a friend of mine doing her bit and her best friend viewing it saying, but you can't 
be that open about yourself. And she says, no, I'm acting. I'm mm. actually acting. And to hear them say that was affirmation. Mm. So because, once again, because I couldn't tell it from the victim's perspective or the survivor's perspective, I had to create this fumbling detective. Yes. So he narrates, he travels, he takes you through the movie in his quest to find out who a mysterious. So there's a character out there sorting out all these villains the way sometimes we wish we could just take a hammer to them. Some, you know, the human yes, response the just to yes. And someone is doing that and he can't figure out who it is. At first he thinks it's... Uh, fellow or, or competitive mobsters, other villains taking each other out, and this happens in the real world, of course, but he can't seem to find that, and slowly with the audience, he figures out um, who it is, and the story unfolds. In addition, because it's a, a, a no-budget to low-budget movie, uh, it's quite unorthodox in the sense that it cuts away to different genres. There's a strong documentary feeling at times. Yes, yes. Um, I, the, uh, the characters kind of define themselves. As I was saying, you would, you, you would write the script and you would interact with the individual that was going to portray it. And suddenly, all of these other facets would come to the fore. So it was a really a change and make and rock and roll on as you proceed. Yes, major adjustments. Yes, it was, and, and it was pliable enough for me to, at the end, say, I think because I had the date booked, I had to stop editing. Yes, so yes, don't overwork it. I could have, I would still have been working on it now, mm. but, and there's a thing that comes, that uh, uh, happens when you take your hands off something. Mm. That surrender, and I had to believe that even though uh, it is a low-budget, no-budget movie, it is with the richness of the intention and the submission to God to use me to tell a very, very vital story. I am the vessel. Yes. I would love to think that. I do believe that myself. Uh, it has been painful for me enough to realize that this is a birthing, a birthing of a truth, a birthing of me, and also an awareness. Yes, very important. And, you know, I really feel that, you know, who was your funder? Was Abba Father? It was only through God's grace. Thousand grace. Cattle on the Hills. And Correct. that thing is so more unique than having a production and fun, uh, you know, funders and people Correct. coming in with their fleshly hold on it. You actually had only God's permission to do it. And he gave you the finances and the tenacity and the wisdom and the knowledge. This is where we so forget who runs this universe. Correct. And he runs everything that he's given to us to do. And this is why I'm so encouraged by what you've done. And I want us to feel, you know, sometimes we think, oh, we have to have all our ducks in a row. 
We have to think, oh, we've got to have A, B, C, D. No, he is plan A. We don't need a plan B and we don't need a plan C. Amen he is the plan A. So we need to learn family and friends out there. When the God has called us to do things, I've done that myself in the recent couple of months, so stepping out into full-time ministry. And you have no idea how daunting it is, eh? So Definitely. you know what I'm speaking about. And this is really trusting the Lord for the way forward. So I just want to encourage you. So just tell us now, we've got a, a, one or two minutes left. Just tell us how do we go and watch this movie and where do we go and yeah, and your launch dates and where you're hosting it and all that. Well, um, phoenixrisen.co.za is where you can go to download the movie. There are also two trailers there that I initially I produced on YouTube. So the first, mo when I decided to make the movie, when I felt I needed to, I started to vlog about it. Yes. So there are about nine vlogs over the past five years. You can find me on um, uh, YouTube. Yes. Uh, if you go into the site phoenixrisen.co.za, uh, all of the icons are there for you to view, yes, to read a little bit, and also, visual. thank you, to download the movie. Yes. So um, that's the only way of uh, me distributing or getting the story out there at this stage. But I do believe that everything is possible now. and Amen. That, that I have God on my side. Amen. And then you've got this opening that is, you know, the launching of it, of that Today, day? Yes, that's the 29th um, of this month at a restaurant called the Mesopotamia in Small Market Square, I think it is, in Cape Town. Yes, yes. Um, from 3 o'clock in the afternoon, it seats 40 people. But I'm sure if 400 came, we could make some kind of a plan. <laughs> oh, excuse me that I'm sounding like this, but I've really got a bit of flu, but I had to laugh at that one. But I'm sure there's going to be such an opportunity just to go and see it. But download this movie. Please do. And support Henry. And go and get this. Get some, in, in, you know, a revelation of what actually is happening on ground level right under our noses here in South Africa. So, Henry, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. May the Lord just bless you, provide for you, protect you, and give you more vision for new uh, topics that need to be addressed in this country um, of other things that possibly need to be exposed and discussed and addressed and shown because I think we live a lot with our blinkers on. So family and friends out there, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon, Henry. It was a great privilege to have you in the studio with us. Thank you so much. Lenny. Okay, family and friends, we'll see you next week. Be safe. Take care. Look after yourself. And stick to the rules. And we will see you same time next week. We've got an amazing guest for next week. It's powerful. His name is Percy Noah. He's an evangelist, powerful, and a missionary of note. So please join us next week, and we will see you soon. Goodbye. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.